0: it 's been 's been a great weekend. Those of you who have been here will have known how god 's spoken to us, and just the, the time of fellowship, the time of enjoying each other 's uh, company has it 's been wonderful and um, God has really been doing stuff am- amongst us just in in uh, times that together, as well as when we came to worship yesterday and Steve's excellent, excellent message that he, he brought yesterday to us, a real timely word about being filled with the Spirit and full of the Spirit and going out in the, the Spirit's power. And this morning we're continuing our, our series in Revelation, and uh, so it it's actually it will tie in quite nicely, you'll, you'll see as the uh, the story unfolds. But uh, I have here in my pocket my great granddad's pocket watch. It's amazing to think that he probably had this during World War One. And uh, you can see it still works today. It's a, uh, it's a wind-up uh, uh, pocket watch. And uh, it's incredibly made. And if I open the back like this, and i put it up to my microphone here. you can't hear it. Tick- I can hear it ticking. Can you hear it ticking if I put it up there? Yeah, it's still ticking, the the, the, uh, pendulum's swinging in there, the cogs are moving. And right at the centre of it all, because it's a wind-up pocket watch, is a coiled spring that is powering uh, the the whole um, system. That's incredibly complex, it's incredibly well-made, Swiss-made, no less, as well. It's not actually worth that much, but it is worth a lot to me, because it's a a link to my past and and my history. And uh, today... I want to talk about the sovereignty of God over trouble. And as we look at the book of uh, Revelation, chapter 6 through to 8, verse 5, and we see um, that, that God, uh, that we see Jesus opening the seven seals that are there, that the Lamb of God is worthy to open. We've already seen from the book how the book of Revelation is a revelation from God to John about Jesus Christ. And we've seen how Jesus Christ is at the centre of heaven. He's at the centre of it all. And his focus is is on the church. And then Duncan looked at how Jesus brought a message to his church, a message of encouragement and of warnings as well, specifically addressing areas in those seven churches, but generally relevant to all of us throughout all time. And then Paul looked at how the, the scene moves on to show the it, heaven and the majesty of God in heaven and the glory that surrounds God in heaven and how he has in his hand this scroll with seven seals in it, and that no one is uh, worthy to open this scroll. There's no one found until the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus himself, steps forward, and he, he is worthy to open the scroll. So that's where we, we come to this morning. And uh, it's interesting to see this scroll represents, they, they say, the eternal purposes of God, for the world and so as Jesus is opening these scrolls is is unfolding God's eternal plan for the world and as we consider that that despite the many complexities and confusing events that are happening in the world today The fact that there's many things that we don't understand or or don't like. Actually, the one who is at the centre of it all, the one who is at the centre of history, is Jesus Christ. He is the one that is guiding it. And unlike my uh, granddad's pocket watch, which is just a a coiled spring making this move round, the one who's making everything move towards a common end is motivated not by mechanical process, but by love. He is also not only the lion of the tribe of Judah, he is also the lamb of God which was slain. He is motivated by sacrificial love. So as we consider this passage of, uh, from God's Word this morning... Let's remember that that Jesus is on the throne and He is guiding history, despite its many complexities and confusing events that I don't understand. Just like I don't understand how this pocket watch was was made. Actually, we do know that one at the centre of it all is guiding everything. So, I'm going to ask Doreen to come up and read to us. If I get get this ready, and as as she reads, you know, the Book of Revelation is. One of the only books that um, tells us to, uh, it's a blessing to hear it. So what I'm going to encourage you to do, and this is dangerous if you've been camping, is I'm going to encourage you not to read along the, with the passage, but just to sit back and listen. Even if you won't fall asleep, that is, to close your eyes and try to imagine what the Apostle John has written there. She reads through this passage. Try to picture what the things that, that he's saying. So this is God's word. So let's, let's listen to it. Are you okay there? Is we all sorted? Okay, Doreen, thank you. Now I watched when the
1: Lamb opened one of the seven seals. And I heard... Four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked... And behold, a white horse and its rider had had a bow, bow and a crown was given to him. And he came out conquering and to conquer. And he opened the second seal and I heard the second living creature say, Come, and out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that men should slay one another and he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a dinaris, and three quarts of barley for a dinaris, and i And do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice from the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a quarter of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who'd been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who have dwelt, who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Then he opened the sixth seal. I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun and with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the seals, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel, 12,000 from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, and 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, and 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. And all the angels were standing round the throne, and round the elders, and the fallen creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honour, and power, and might be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And the Lamb opened the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumbling, flashings of lightning, and an earthquake.
0: Thank you, Doreen. Thank you. you. Time to wake up now if you've fallen asleep. That's great. It's great. It's great to you know try and picture it in your mind what God is, uh, what John has written there for us, and we see that despite the signs of trouble around the world, God's plan of salvation will continue throughout until Christ returns. So firstly, let's look at some of these signs of trouble or what is commonly called the four horsemen of the apocalypse as they come forward. Um, I don't agree with scholars that say the first horseman should be seen as Jesus because he's, uh, he's wearing a crown and he's riding a white horse, just like in Revelation chapter 19, Jesus appears. It says it's Jesus wearing a crown and riding a white horse. The two crowns are different types of crown. One that Jesus is wearing is a royal crown, the one that this rider is wearing is a victor's crown it's one who's won it in victory and uh, and also the th- image for people back then would have been very familiar when a Roman general won a victory he would re- come back through the town uh, riding a white horse and then all his prisoners and spoil and that sort of thing would be behind him so rather than trying to identify who the different uh, riders are I think it's actually more helpful to focus on what the Bible seems to focus on here and that is what they Bring as they come out. The first comes out, and he brings war across the earth. The second comes out, and he takes away peace. Now, many scholars see this as anything from family feuds up into civil war within a nation. The second comes, uh, sorry, the third uh, comes out, and he. brings gross inequality excessive costs of food exploitation of the poor Uh, some say this is because of scarcity of food well whether it is or not certainly when the fourth rider comes out it says he brings famine with him and pestilence and also murder as well whether it be by man or by beast people clearly link these four horsemen to the passage in Zechariah chapter 6 verses 1 to 8 where you see the four horsemen sent all over the earth But what is clear is that this this is just a more detailed explanation of what Jesus gives in Matthew 24 when he says this, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. The fact that there's four of them is because it's talking about covering the whole earth. You know, it, as um, it goes on to say in chapter seven about the four corners of the earth, it's that image. Of these four riders they cover the whole earth. So we can expect war, civil war, family feuds, gross inequality, abuse of the poor, famine, pestilence, murder. They're all sadly. Part of this age, the Bible says, right up until Christ returns. That's what the riders are bringing. You know, the horrors of World War I, which changed the West's attitude to war. Before that, everyone's like, yay, we're going to war. Whereas after that, we've all, ever since that time, we've hated war, in fact. But, uh, that horrors of that were, it saw 17 million people lose their lives due to the fighting and a further 20 million disabled or affected by uh, wounds from that war but you know it was made worse because off the back of that war there was a famine in many parts of the land in lebanon There was famine, and the famine was made even worse by a plague of locusts that came and stayed there for three months. Half the population of Lebanon died because of that famine. In northern Iran as well, they reckon 8 to 10 million people died due to famine after the war. Half the numbers that were killed in the war. To make matters even worse... In 1918, an influenza outbreak uh, happened and went right around the world infecting one-third of the world's population, 500 million people, and it killed somewhere between 50 to 100 million people, dwarfing the number of people that died in the First World War. You see, these things are happening. They're even happening today where we're involved with it. Where I'm involved in, in South Sudan, where we're involved as a church, they had 20 years of war with the north, with the Islamic north. Then they had eight years of brief peace. And then civil war has broken out within that nation where tribal feuds are now running very high and some horrible things uh, are happening. Food distribution and food prices, the rich can afford everything. The poor can't afford anything. They can't even afford to, to, to live. And now you would have seen in the news, there's famine there uh, all across South Sudan. And as well, which you won't have seen in the news, there's cholera outbreaks happening in different parts of South Sudan as well. You see, my friends, rather than trying to look for a particular time in history, or when, when are these things going to happen? They are happening and they have been happening and they will happen right the way through this time up until Christ returns. That's what the the Bible makes clear. And these horrible events that are happening around us and they happen to us as well as believers because we live in this world. They affect us too. We're not not, uh, excluded from them. But Jesus says this, see that you are not alarmed, or as a New Living Translation puts it, don't panic, for behind it all, God is in control, and he's working out his eternal purposes and his eternal plan. We don't understand it, just like we don't understand how this pocket watcher works, Well, some of you might do, but we don't understand what God's doing in history all the time, but actually, God is at work, and far from a vindictive, cruel God, we have a, a sacrificial God, one who loves you with an everlasting love. Yes, some of it's due to man's wickedness, the Bible makes this clear. Some of it is due to Satan's schemes, yes, of course. Some of it is due to living in a fallen world and things happen, yes, that's right, too. Some of it is divine judgment breaking out here and now, yes, as well. And sometimes it's a combination of some or all of those. Things as well but one thing is for sure that God's sovereign plan will be at work and will outwork and he will can, he will have what he, he wants that he's guiding history to its desired end as Jesus could say this in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world Now we will face difficulties. But just as Christ himself overcame, we can become overcomers. We are conquerors in Christ Jesus. Thankfully, in this country, we don't face war or civil war at this moment. But because of obviously uh, some of the terrorist events that we're seeing at the moment, things can seem a little bit more uncertain because of those evil actions that that happened even this week, causing loss of life. But you know, many of you, if not all of you, would have been impacted by battles being fought between corporations or bosses, uh, and that may have left you out of a job, or it may have left your job insecure because of it. Family feuds may not end up in death, but certainly... Many of you may have been affected by family feuds where you no longer can speak to a member of your family or someone won't speak to you anymore because of something that has happened. Some of you who are at school and college, you may have had uh, been attacked for no reason or someone put a whole load of rubbish about you on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. Bullying and cyberbullying are commonplace in school these days. Many of us, in this church we've had lives affected by illness and disease that have affected a family member and have changed what we were expecting with our lives. My friends, while I don't pretend to understand why all these things are happening or why they've happened to you, I do know that God is in control and he is working out his eternal purposes here on earth. You can trust him in the most difficult of circumstances in the most unsettling of times. God is faithful, he's worthy to be trusted and he is outworking his plan at this time. The passage then takes a sort of jump from focusing on earth to focusing on heaven. It's a bit of a surprise jump in a way and we're taken to the altar that is before the throne of God. And we see there the sealing of the saints, my second point there. And we get the image from the Old Testament of the altar where sacrifice used to happen. And you get the sense of, as the psalm says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, most likely, this is obviously focusing this sixth seal on those people that have paid the ultimate price for their faith and ended up giving their life for their faith, and it shows how Jesus is concerned for them. He's concerned for justice for them as well, and he has a plan in it as well. It says, We you know there's more to be killed as well. However, it doesn't exclude the rest of us either, you see, because in order for you to follow Jesus, you have to lay down your life for the sake of Christ and the sake of the gospel, the Bible says, or as Paul puts it in Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Or as John puts it later on in Revelations, they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. So while specifically this applies to those who have lost their life, It does have relevance to the rest of us too, who, though we live, we have to choose to die daily in order to live for God whilst we 're focusing on the saints of God, those people that have been set apart by god let 's just briefly consider Chapter seven as well, where we see the sealing of the of the saints and we also see this great multitude of people. The Bible makes clear that by uh, sealing what it means it 's talking about it 's talking about belonging it 's talking about ownership it 's talking about protection if you mess with this uh, this item that's been sealed, you're going to be, incur the wrath of the person that has the who has sealed it, who has the authority behind it. It also is a guarantee. Now, Ephesians chapter one verse thirteen makes clear that we as Christians, we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee of our future inheritance that we have. In Christ, it's the spirit in us that helps us to realize that we belong to God through Him, we can cry, Abba, Father, my daddy. So it's the spirit that we are sealed with. Now, when we hear this number of 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel, except the tribe of Dan. Then uh, some people say, why, why was Dan left out? And some people argue, ah, oh, because actually they were such a, a wicked tribe. They were known for apostasy and, and that sort of thing. Other, us, other scholars say, ah, oh, it's because actually well, the Antichrist is supposed to arise from Dan. That's why they're excluded from uh, from this, this passage. Some people consider it to be physical Israelites that are saved. Some people see it as, well, the Jehovah's Witnesses see it as a total number of people that are going to be in heaven with God however the problem with that is revelation 21 makes it clear that when Christ comes back heaven will come to earth and god's dwelling will be with his people and the problem of trying to take this number literally is that in revelation chapter 14 where we see this 144000 uh, again you come, you suddenly realize ah okay these people are all men and they're all virgins, so, no, no Abraham in heaven, no David in heaven, then because uh, you know, they, they were married men. So uh, it's clearly not supposed to be taken literally. 12, 12, um thousand, or 12 lots of 12,000 is a picture of completeness upon completeness. It's like, a, it's like saying that everyone who is supposed to be there. Is there, and it fits perfectly in with the measurements of the New Jerusalem in Revelation 21, where you see that it's 12,000 stadia wide by length by height, and the wall around it is 144 cubits. Now, now don't worry about what what's a stadia and what's a what's a cubit. You're you're missing the point by trying to think that out. It's the image of 12 again, 12 times 12. Uh, it's the completeness. Everyone is there who is supposed to be there. And then when John looks to see this 144,000 He sees a great multitude that no one can count from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And the great news about that is we can see that the church has been given the job of going to every tribe, tongue, and nation. We haven't done that yet. That's this little glimpse at the end of the book. I don't know if uh, you do this. My wife does it. It infuriates me when she's reading a book. She'll read the end of it first, just to, has it got a happy ending? Oh yeah, I can read this book. Like, well, what's the point of reading it? You know what's going to happen? Well, we know what's going to happen in uh, the end of the story, thanks to uh, John showing us that we are going to reach every t- tribe, tongue, and nation. My friends, consider this wonderful truth: God knows every one that are his and not one of them is missing this is what it teaches us even though the number is so great that no one can count the, the, the full amount of everyone who has been saved from every tribe tongue and nation every person who is supposed to be there is there not one of them is missing and whilst we'll go through troubled times and we may even end up losing our life for the sake of Christ. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Because even if we get killed uh, by, uh, for, for our faith, then God has a plan and a purpose in it. And that wickedness that calls that to happen will not go unpunished, but God will punish it at the right time, either through, and this would be our prayer, that that person realises and ends up giving their life to Jesus, and Jesus pays for the punishment For that sin on on himself on the cross or if they spurn the grace of God that is available to them then they will take it on themselves and then heaven is silent for half an hour it stops the worship that's been going on and on and on and it listens to the prayers of the saints and adds its divine power to those prayers my friends how precious you are to God how loved you are by God. He loves you with an everlasting love. And even when you're going through a difficult time, like Paul, know this, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to you. And I'm not trying to minimise your suffering, those of you that are going through a difficult time. I'm not trying to minimise it, but none of us have suffered as much as the Apostle Paul uh, has suffered in his lifetime, and nor are we likely to. Trust God, whatever you're going through, trust Him. He is good, and He can be relied upon. Take, for example, I mentioned South Sudan earlier. Now, all those troubles that are going on in South Sudan... Yes, yeah, very, very very difficult time. I got a call from my friend over there, James Lacuda, Pastor James. And he said, oh, Si, I need your help. So I thought, okay, yep, yep, sure. Thinking, yeah, I, well, I can get you some money if you need some money for food and medicine and that sort of thing. That's where my mind went. He said, I need three motorbikes. I, I so wish it had been four. Wouldn't that have been great? The four motorbike riders of the apocalypse. But uh, anyway, but uh, it was three. It's a true story. It's, it it, it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could, he, he, maybe he was just praying in tongues. That could be true, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, um, he wanted three motorbikes. The reason why was despite all this trouble that had been going on, was God had been busy sealing people, to use Revelations language. He'd been saving people from nearby towns and villages. And the easiest way to get to them was on motorbike. And so they needed these motorbikes so him and his team could go out to these different villages and minister God's word and uh, witness to them as well. Hallelujah. In the world you have tribulation, Jesus says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We are conquerors in Christ, whatever comes our way. And my final point to you this morning is about the second coming of Christ. You see, the sixth seal, you open the sixth seal, and George uh, Jesus does, and there's a clear description of the second coming of Christ. With the dramatic effects on the moon and the stars and the mountains and the islands, and you see there, there's a little subtle sevenfold reference to all the different people, generals and kings. It's seven, a list of seven of them again. See the, the number seven gets in there, basically saying that no one will escape from the judgment that is to come if they haven't made Jesus their Lord, if they haven't made Him their Savior. There's no hiding from it for the time of grace will come to an end it either comes to an end when we die for after death the bible says comes judgment but if if we're alive we'd have the privilege of being alive when christ returns and the time of grace for other people to respond and repent and turn to jesus is over and then the seventh seal is opened and silence follows with the prayers of the saints are held up before god And he responds in judgment. And if you see the judgment that comes and hits the earth with rumblings and earthquakes, it's exactly the same as the seventh trumpet, the same ending to, to it there as well. My friends, the point is you have a crucial part to play in the return of Christ. As 2 Peter 3 verse 11 to 12 tells us, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you be? In lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, don 't get distracted by worldly things or or your own pursuits or navel gazing at oh, this is my life and that that sort of thing there 's a world out there that needs saving that needs to know the love of God, and you have a role to play in telling it about the love of Jesus or telling it. Telling them about their need for him. You have a part to play in hastening the return of Christ. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, hurrying it along. Some will reject our message as we share with them. But you know, others will respond. In fact, the Bible says the reason that Christ hasn't returned yet is because there's still more people to respond to the gospel. Praise God. He wants to use you and he wants to use me in seeing these people saved. The seven, um, the book of Revelations goes on to talk about seven trumpets and seven bowls and that sort of thing, which reveal more that there's an enemy at work trying to stop the plans of God. And Dunk will begin to look into that next week. But know this, as Jesus says to us, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's actually through you, through your life, through your Words, through your prayers, that God wants to to work and bring about his salvation plan. He has good works for each one of us to do. Turn to the person next to you and say, God has good works for you to do. Amen. He does. He does. You know, when I was at school... When I I was at school in the um, early 90s, in in secondary school, the, uh, the teachers then, they always used to sneak out this shows how what a hard job you teachers have these days. They always used to go out halfway through the lesson for a cigarette break just to leave us in the lesson, and it was cigarettes that they had confiscated off us boys as well. You can't, you can't believe it, can you? But uh, uh, that's what they used to do, so go out, and of course, you can imagine what would happen in the class when the teachers went out. We would carry on working studiously, wouldn't we? No, work would cease, and the behavior would rapidly go down and down a hill. Now, wise boys, like I like to consider myself, was, we would we would. Misbehave, but we were always aware that at any moment when the teacher had fin- finished his cigarette, he would be back in the class so you'd keep that in your mind whereas there was always those boys that were so silly they would forget that the teacher was going to come in any moment and they'd get so caught up in what they're doing that the teacher would come in and catch them doing something stupid and then punishment would be swift normally when at my school again you, you poor teachers you don't get any fun like this they used to come in they'd grab you by your sideburns they'd pull you up like that and they'd throw you into the wall or something like that and uh, you know Imagine doing that in class today you couldn 't you couldn't get away with it, could you? but uh, they, they had fun back then, those teachers, but anyway uh, that 's what would happen and you, you know you have to, you had to be aware that at any moment the teachers could come back and My friends, we need to live our lives like that at any moment Jesus could come back because he could at any moment he 's coming back, and we mustn 't get distracted by worldly pursuits or other things. we need to keep focused on the task in hand that God has things for you and me to do. And that despite the signs of trouble in the world around us, God's plan of salvation will continue until Christ Jesus returns to earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm going to finish it there. I'm going to invite the the band back up to, to sing a song. But I just want to pray, actually, I'm going to pray for all of us because we all need to respond to this. Uh, I'm going to pray that God will give us all fresh boldness in sharing our faith with people. You know, Steve's message yesterday was very much along the lines of when the Holy Spirit comes on you, it gives you boldness to speak for Jesus. Yes, it's about having spiritual gifts in a meeting like this to encourage each other, but it's also, it's about having boldness to live the Christian life. And, you know, there's a world out there, as I said, that doesn't know the love of God, doesn't know the love of a father. And we have the message of hope. We have the message of eternal life. And God wants to use you and he wants to use me to bring it to the people around us. So can I invite you to stand? You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Helsham. For more information or to contact us, visit christchurchhailsham.org.